Uh, we've been going through a, uh, a brief uh, series started last week, if you remember, on the uh, uh, passing it on. And if you remember in the uh, book of Proverbs, which is where we're taking it from, we, in Proverbs 1, verse 2 to 6, it gives you basically six reasons why he writes the book of Proverbs. Three of them is that we can learn the wisdom and apply it to our lives, and then you also have, so we can pass it on. You have to first learn something before you can pass it on. It's kind of like I imagine if I started, many of you remember playing this game we did it as a kid where you say a saying and you put it in somebody's ear and it goes around the room and what happens when it gets to the other end? It's rarely the same. And obviously the longer the sentence or sentences, the worse it becomes. And what happens is if we don't get it ourselves, we can't give it to somebody else. So you stop and you think about that, uh, it's uh, what we need to get it. And I, I think about when I was growing up, as uh, Margie alluded to, but and you were the same way, I'm sure, those that went to church. We had Sunday school. We had church. We had training night. <coughs> we had Wednesday night. We had Sunday night. We had so many opportunities with which we were learning the Word of God. Today, how many opportunities do people have? We don't have training hour, why? Lack of interest. Don't easily have a Sunday night service, lack of interest. So we're having less and less time. What happens too then, we're all getting involved in so much sports. Growing up, it was just rec all you have was recreational stuff. Now it's all the others. Where you remember when Jesse played, I mean, her first year, they're already hiring professional pitching coaches and hit hitting coaches. And, all this, and they, when Will played, they wanted to go com uh, competitive. They wanted to go 70 games a year. You know, one, I can't afford it. And two, we're not going to travel all over the United States. Don't have that kind of time or money. Then, so what happens is we're not passing on the Word of God. So we have to first get it. So last week, if you remember, we were talking about listening carefully. In fact, wisdom in the Proverbs is used about 125 times, some form of wisdom. Your word path and ways is used a hundred times. So you have to get the wisdom, and then you have two different main paths to choose from. Remember the chapter 1 and chapter 9 is the wisdom, the wise person's calling over here, and then you have the foolish woman, and her folly is calling over here. And so you have two different ways to choose from, but if you don't have wisdom, you will not decipher which way to choose. It reminds me when uh, your kids were small, remember Jesse coming in, we lived at our other house, she was real young, and so Daddy, there was somebody really nice outside, he offered me candy. <laughs> you run to the door and what? Because you have wisdom to realize a stranger, if they're offering your child coffee or candy, is not a good idea. Coffee isn't either, but it's not a good idea. Okay? But she didn't have the wisdom to know the danger. So what we're doing is we're wanting to know the wisdom of Proverbs for our own lives so we then can also pass it on to others. It doesn't stop with us. That's the one my whole, basically my entire life was trying to teach people the Word of God so they can get it and they can give it to somebody else. So last week we looked a little bit about, if you remember, the first one was to listen carefully. If you don't listen carefully, you won't get it Therefore, you can't pass it on. And that's what we saw when we applied it in John uh, chapter uh, 12. If you remember when, uh, in John 12, you remember when uh, Jesus tells him, in two more days I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to be 
uh, you know, buried and raised again on the third day, and then I'm going to go on to Galilee. Well, there was Mary, and it was in Bethany, at the leper's house. You remember, there's Mary, and there's Martha, and there's Lazarus, and all the disciples. Martha does what? She goes and gets the perfume, cost a, a whole year's wage, and poured it on him. And what did the disciples do? Waste of money. Waste of money. Now, who said it was a waste of money that they all believed? Judas. Judas. Jesus then rebukes them and says three things. You will always have the poor. You, always, you won't always have me. And she did what she could. Only one heard his message. I'm about to die. Mary did what she could. What did they do? The question they should have asked if they listened carefully is what Jesus do you want me to do or what can I do in preparation of your burial and resurrection? Instead, they listened to Judas and they're trying to tell somebody else what to do. And as we get older, how many of us are always running around trying to tell other people what they should do because of our wisdom, right? We are so bright, we know exactly how everybody can run their life. We need to worry about running ours and listen to what God has to say. So that was last week's to listen carefully. Today I like to look in chapter two to four, and basically wisdom is in life. Wisdom in life. He's going to address that in these three chapters, and it's interesting when you look at it. Like I said, half or in ways are used a hundred times, and so in order to get to the right destination, you have to take the right path. And I think it's important, first question is, what destination do you want to go to? And then what path are you going to take? Those are two important questions you have to ask. What destination do you want? Therefore, what path do you take? It reminds me, we just got off a of vacation, Gene and, and Mike and Ruthie and I, and uh, we had certain places we wanted to go. There's a lot of roads we could have taken, but there's certain things we wanted to see, that was our destination. Therefore, we chose certain roads to get us to that destination. There was other roads we didn't take. A lot of beautiful things, but it's not where we wanted to go. So the question is, where do you want to go, and then how are you going to get there? And so let's look at it in Proverbs chapter 2. Your first one is, wisdom protects your path. Wisdom protects your path in Proverbs 2. In verse 1 to verse 9, uh, to verse 8 rather, we need to be walking with the Lord, but he gives you eight requirements. There's eight commands in verse 1 down to verse 4. Eight. Notice, receive, treasure, attentive, incline, cry for discernment, lift up your voice. Notice four. Seek her as silver, search for her as treason, as hidden treasures. How many of us are really doing that? I'll give you an example. If I told you that I, and, and, you know, and you believe me, obviously it's not possible, but if I told you that I hid a million dollars in your house and it would be there for one year, what would you do? <laughs> how many of you would let others in your house? And how many of you would look in your house? And how many of you would continue to look? 
And I want you to think about that because he's going to get later in, in, in chapter 4 and so on. And he's going to say wisdom is more valuable than any hidden treasure there is. How many of us have a Bible in our home? But how many of us are looking and searching for it like it's a million dollars in our home? So notice he gives you requirements first. Notice the results. If you'll do it, notice what he says in verse 5. Then you'll discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Notice also in 7. He'll store up wisdom. He'll give you wisdom. He'll be your shield. 8. He'll guard your path. 9. He'll tell you each and every course to take. But we have to first do verse 1 to 4. Notice He will protect your path when you learn what He wants us to do in the Word of God. When we do, these are the things that He'll do for us. And it's interesting when you stop and think of it, how many of you know if you're walking with the Lord? I think it's some good questions you can ask would be what would Jesus do? What path to take? What to say? Everything else. What would he say? What would he do? But notice you have this. You're walking with the Lord in verse 1 to 4. He then tells you, like I said, is uh, what the results are going to be. Notice the second thing. You're going to walk away from things. In verse 10 down to verse 19. Because you have the wisdom of God, you're going to be on one path. And notice in verse 10 down to verse 19, there's two paths you're going to avoid. The first path is the path of the evil man. That can be summarized basically in verse uh, 19. He walks in darkness. He delights in doing evil. He's perverse. His path is crooked. You're going to be able to see it, and you're going to stay off of that path. Why? Because verse 1 to 4, you'll learn the wisdom of God. I guarantee you if a stranger offered Jesse candy today, the answer would be totally different. You know, it's the same way, you know, with all of them. If some guy flirted with Ruthie today, she'd tell him to go take a hike. You know, it's different because they've got wisdom. And I think it's important for us. We're going to avoid it. And you also notice the second person that comes in is the... Uh, is an adulterous woman in verse 16 and 17 and basically she uses flattery and dad worked with me in all the years I'm sure Mike and anybody works with the public he gets it all the time I'd have customers come to me ladies especially it's usually who I was working for and as soon as they started giving you flattery words the immediately thing in the back of my head was what he wanted <laughs> and I mean 95% of the time they were simply saying something because they wanted something and after a while, you caught on real quick. And so, you know, it, it, it usually it was for nothing. You know, they wanted this done, wanted that done, and you started adding all these things up. How much time? Notice then, if you get wisdom in one to four, God promises you things to guide you in six to nine. Therefore, you're going to stay off the path of the evil woman and of the evil man. But notice who you will associate, what path you will be in, is in verse 20 and 21. You're going to walk with righteous people. Does company have any effect on where we go? 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts good morals. Proverbs 22, if you're a wine person given to anger, you're going to be an angry person. 
who you associate with and what you watch and what you listen to and everything else has a much, much bigger impact than what you believe. I've often said, I remember, I listened to different music when I was in my car growing up. And oh, I don't listen to the words, I just like the music. That's what I kept claiming. Those songs can come on 50 years later and I can still sing half of those songs and I wasn't trying to learn a single one of them. They have tremendous impact, even when you're not trying. If you tell somebody, you listen to somebody, you ask them what you listen to and what you watch and different things, and you can come, you can pretty much come to a lot of conclusions just by that. So again, like I said, what wisdom will protect your path if you will listen to it and abide it, and it'll keep you from going down certain paths. Because once you're on the path, it's a whole lot harder to turn around. And so I think it's important. So notice then, wisdom protects your path. So again, our question was, how well are we receiving wisdom? And then which path are we on? Can you get off of a bad path? Yes. Okay, how many guys like to turn around and say I'm on the wrong path? Or how many of us say we're on the scenic route? <laughs> if you're on the wrong route, the quickest thing to do is what? Turn around. So notice the first one, wisdom protects your path. Verse chapter 3, wisdom also directs your path. We know verse 5 and 6, but I think you have to first meet some conditions in verse 1 down to verse 4. Notice verse 1. My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands. Before we start right from the beginning, he goes right back to what? Are you listening to the commands and the wisdom of Scripture? You have to keep them to do it. Notice then, the also it's interesting, in verse 3, don't let kindness and truth leave you, but notice what he does in verse 3. He's basically, a, a, his paraphrase of Deuteronomy 6, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablets of your heart. And you remember Deuteronomy 6, you had them on your forearm, and you had them on your forehead. Anytime you're doing anything with you know, manual labor, agricultural society, you're looking at your hands all the time, and any time you look in any type of a mirror, you see it. We need to have the Word of God constantly in front of us. Notice before you get to verse 5, the Word of God and God's will and the Holy Spirit and everything else are in your forefront. You're constantly watching and reading and abiding by His way, His wisdom. When you are constantly abiding by His wisdom, you're learning it all, you'll find favor, but then notice what you do in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Remember, you know what to do. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll direct your path. We're learning and we're in the Word of God and we're doing all this daily. Therefore, we can recognize the right way and the wrong way. It reminds me when I was in uh, Colorado when I was in high school. We climbed Pikes Peak. We did a lot of other things. After we, then we went without eating. After Klein's Pike Peak, we got down. They said, okay, we're on us. You don't eat for a day. So they're just your Bible, and you're out in the middle of nowhere, and you're by yourself, and just spend time with God. Then they gave you one meal, and then they said, we're trying to show you how far your body could go. All right, now we're at 10,000, you know, we're from 7 to 10,000 feet. All right, now we're going to run 10 miles. We're in a race. All right, so we take off, and 
I was quite always out in front of everybody else, and there's a guy up front who said, which way do I go? But just follow the main road. He was in a car, he was gone. You're out there by yourself in the middle of nowhere. I get up to a fork in the road. Which way do I go? I don't know. Well, I think I need to go this way. Well, guess what? I went the wrong way. I ended up running 13 miles and ended up on a dead end road. Now what do you do? I have no idea where I am. Well, you could go backtrack, and I thought, I'll oh, forget it. I'm just going to sit right here, and they'll find me. <laughs> uh, and they did. After everybody else finished the race, they backtracked. But again, why wasn't there signs to tell you? They just said, travel the most well-traveled road. How do you know what's the most well-traveled road on a gravel road in the middle of nowhere? And so I think it's important for us. We need to learn the way, because if we're using our senses, we are going to mess up on which road to take. Let me give you a couple examples. Abraham, when he and Sarah went to Egypt because of the famine with Abimelech, which Abimelech's a title like Pharaoh, and remember Abimelech and the society there uh, really held marriage in high esteem. So Abraham's married to Sarah. Sarah is a beautiful woman. But they didn't have any children. Did God promise Abraham he would have a son by Sarah? But Abimelech can't marry Sarah if Abraham's alive. Now, Abimelech in that society had no problem with killing somebody. So I can kill him, then she's available. I marry him, it's fine. So what does Abraham do? Does he follow the path that God would have for him? Or does he look at his own understanding? What about Joshua? They followed God's plan with Gideon. I mean, with uh, with uh, when they went, you know, around the city of Jericho, they didn't go to Ai. And what happened? Everybody said, "Oh, it's a small city. We don't need any help. We can take these people without any problems." Did they seek God's way? Nope. And they had defeat. What happens with the Gideonites when they come to Joshua? Remember, they were the one of the ones they're supposed to conquer. They then made themselves look like they traveled a long way and they had it looked like their food was all molded and they had all the clothes were wore out. They looked at it through their own eyes and understanding and said they traveled a long way. They're not part of it. We'll make a treaty. They won't affect us at all. They then had to keep their word and the Gibeonites lived with them from then on and also caused them any trouble down the road. What about you and I? How many times are we following God's word? And then how many times do we go to our own understanding? I don't need to ask the Lord about this. I got it covered. And then we have to cry out to the God, what do we have to do? Bail us out. So it's interesting, wisdom will protect, but wisdom will also direct. And it's interesting, you look at it, so we have to learn his truth, so we didn't have to obey it. Notice in verse 10, what else you're supposed to do? Honor the Lord with your wealth. From the first of, your, of all your produce, so the barns will be filled. So we learn His truth, we obey it, and then we also share His blessings. How many times do we think that God just simply blesses us so we can do, get bigger and bigger and better and better things? He's blessed us so we can also bless other people. Remember in Jesus, remember the young man in the Gospels? I've got all this, and tear down the old barns, and build up new barns. And what does Jesus say? Today, your soul will be required of you. You need to be rich towards God. 
How many of us are rich towards God? Important thing to think about. And then obviously in verse 11 and 12, then it also says, don't reject God's discipline. God's our Father. He loves us. When we mess up and go on the wrong path, what's going to happen? He's going to spank us. going to spank us. <laughs> you do that with your kids and grandkids too. They reach up. Caleb reaches up to touch a, touch a hot stove. What are you going to do? Go ahead and touch it. It's a good way to learn. No, no. You know? You're going to slap the hand. Walk out in traffic. Slap the You're going to do all those things because you love them. Well, he does the same thing to us, but how do we receive it? So notice the wisdom protects your path in chapter 1. When we learn it, it'll keep us from going down the path of the, of the evil man or after the uh, flattery woman. And we'll follow and associate with godly people. But then also wisdom will direct our path and show you a lot of things. In fact, in verse 13 down to 25, the rest of the chapter, he tells you all the things you'll enjoy. In fact, just look in 13 to 15. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. I ask you if you really believe this. For its profit is better than the profit of silver, its gain than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. When our society we're looking at today, and everybody's 401ks and doing all this kind of stuff, is people more desirable about wisdom of God or worrying about their 401k? And I think that really shows where our hearts really at. Are we on the eternal things, or are we on the temporal things? If we want to pass things on, are we saying one thing? You remember that's what Jesus got on Matthew 23 of the Pharisees? He told the disciples, do what they say to do, but don't what? Do what they do. And how many of us are telling everybody, we need to do this, but we're looking at the temporal and we're living like that's really the most important thing. So you notice wisdom protects your path. Wisdom will also direct your path in chapter 3. And then you go on, in chapter 4 we'll have another one. I want you to think about one, this wisdom direct your path. Let me give you a good example. It's in regards to that. What about Joseph and Mary? Would you say they were young? They had plans. They were going to get married, family. Did those plans change? And remember what did Mary say? Do unto me, I am your bondservant. And then she praises the Lord. From that point on, she was accused of being illegitimate. That Jesus was illegitimate. Joseph was going to put her away. And remember, the dream said, "Take her." He does. Same accusations. Then he gets a dream and says, "Go to Egypt." How are you going to make a living? What do you know in Egypt? Gets to Egypt, there just a few years, and what does the angel now say? Go back. Move back. You get back, and then the angel says, "What?" <coughs> Don't reside here. Go to Galilee. Step by step by step. He directed the path because they were following him obediently and were gaining wisdom. It's interesting, she also quotes over 15 Old Testament passages in Luke chapter 2. She knew her Bible. And why also the under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Joseph is called a righteous man. So think about it. Wisdom will protect. It will also direct. Notice also wisdom will perfect your path. In chapter 4, 
Again, he starts off the first part of the chapter of what we have to do. We have to pursue wisdom. Notice he says, give in verse uh, 1, hear, give attention. Verse 2, don't abandon. Verse 4, hold fast. Notice 5, acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Don't forget, don't turn away. 6, don't forsake. These are all choices. At any point, can you abandon wisdom? Yes. At any point, can you abandon the eternal for the temporal? So before you get these other things, he's wanting you to remember, stay with wisdom. Stay with, did uh, Solomon a pretty good person to write this? Could he also talk about having wisdom and leaving wisdom and abandoning wisdom and doing things? If anybody can write on it, he can. And he's also called the wisest person to ever live. He knows. I think it's interesting. So notice we have to pursue it. Notice the prophet is in verse 6 to 9. Don't forsake her, she will notice, guard you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is to acquire wisdom with all acquitting, get understanding. Notice the third thing. Prize her, and she will exalt you. She will honor you. So notice what wisdom will do. If you gain wisdom, she'll guard you. She'll watch over you. She will exalt you. She will honor you. Isn't that what we really would like to have? It's going to keep us from going the wrong way, doing the wrong things, and we're going to... What's greater, to have a lot of wealth or have a good name? You think that's an, that's an easy question, that's a dumb question. No, I saw it, uh, Olympic athletes being interviewed, and they asked, I forgot how many of them, if you could take an illegal drug that was going to kill you in 10 years but you could win a gold, would you do it? And the vast majority said yes. They cared more about winning the gold and dying than about the other. And so I think it's important for us to really ask the question, how important is God's wisdom and how much are we going to dig into it? It will protect us. It will direct us. But it will also protect a provide a perfect on I me mean, making you more mature. How many of us, and I think it's a, a good question for as we get older, how many of us think, I know enough, I don't need to go any further? And I think that happens a lot. Christians get older, I know enough of the Bible, I don't need to go any further. I don't need to get any deeper. And I think that's where we are. But he tells you it will perfect you and make you more mature. You never completely reach there. You're constantly learning and constantly. That's why Paul in Philippians 3, I haven't reached it yet. When you think about what all Paul's been through and what all he's written in the New Testament, hey, I, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm still striving to, look, to learn more and be more intimate with Christ. So notice then that what it does then, the protection of wisdom starts in verse uh, 10 and goes to 19. But let me show you what I think is really a good summary of it. This whole passage in chapter 4 is in verse 18. The path of the righteous is like the light of the dawn that shines brighter and brighter until full day. What he's saying is when you just start getting wisdom, it's like early dawn. What causes you to stumble? Darkness. You can't see. So just like with I mentioned like with Jesse, it was dark. She couldn't see that temptation what that young man was doing. 
But then as the dawn comes and more and more light comes, they see the stumbling block and should never make that mistake today. Wisdom, as it comes into our life, we get more and more light and we see more and more of the stumbling blocks along the way. Now, how much think, well, it's partly cloudy, I can see good enough. Good example of that would be, what about when people are driving on 169 with their cell phone? Happens constantly everywhere you go. And we think, oh, it's okay. We've all done it a lot. You know, all of a sudden you look up and you know, only by God's grace do you keep from an accident. God's wisdom will keep it where we see everything clearly. How many of us are, you know, we see a lot of it, but not quite enough. More injuries happen at work because of slips, trips, and falls than anything else in the workplace. Because we get distracted. I see people constantly at work walking, looking at their cell phone, walking. Why do we have so many slips and trips? Their attention is somewhere else. We can be the same way. So notice we need to pursue it. We have some profits, but then we also, what it's going to do, but also I think in verse 20 to 27, he tells us to pay attention. And it's really neat when you look at what he tells you to pay attention. He's going to tell you several things. Notice in verse 20, My son, give attentive, my words incline your ears to my sayings. First question, what comes into your ears? What do you listen to? Jump down to 23. Watch over your heart with all diligence. What comes within your heart? Heart often in the Old Testament is used obviously of not just emotions but also your, your head and your knowledge. What comes into your head? What are you feeding? What about 24? Put away from you a deceitful mouth. Put devious lips far from you. What's upon your lips? Good questions to ask. And how many would like to have a recorder recording all you're saying? You know, we all do that when we drive. You know, I, I, you know, even this last week, you know, people pull out from me doing all kinds of stupid stuff, and you say stuff not even thinking about it. That idiot! You know, you ever stop and think of what you're saying? I remember Jean's uh, always talked about her, her grandfather. Anytime people do anything, he'd yell out, "What? You big ape!" <laughs> what? You know, what would happen if people heard all these things? How many of us would be embarrassed if they heard those things? Okay, because what happens is we say it over and over again. I've often wondered, you go under anesthesia, what's being said? What are you saying? Because what comes into your head all the time is what you're going to come out and say. So think about it. What comes into your ears, what is within your heart, what's upon your lips, what about 25? Let your eyes direct, look directly ahead. What's before your eyes? Do your eyes have anything impact on where you go and your path? How many of you are totally satisfied until you go visit a car lot or visit a new home? All of a sudden, you either want a new home or you want a new car or you want to change everything, you want new colors, you want to... Why do they want to get you in? And then they'll usually... We'll say, here are the keys. Do what? Try it out. Why are they so willing to let you try the car? Notice in verse 26, then down to 27. Watch the path of your feet. 
So you think about the questions they ask then. What comes in your ears? What's within your heart? What's upon your lips? And by the way, in this passage, or in this book, mouth and lips. Mouth is used 50 times, lip 40 times. How important is what we hear and what we say? It's amazing in the book of Proverbs. What's before your eyes and what's beyond my path? Wisdom in life is so important. Wisdom will protect our path, it'll direct our path, and then it'll also perfect our path. And I would dare to say, none of us have reached perfection yet. So how many of us need wisdom? And where is wisdom going to be found? The wisdom sound in the Word of God that most of us are getting help books. If you're going to get a help book, get a help book that's taking you to the Word of God. If you choose to walk in the light of God's wisdom, He promises to protect our path, doesn't He? He promises to direct our path and then to perfect our path. Let me give you an example. All three of these happened to to Gene and I over, uh, or to me over time. When we were in Europe, we got one day off a year, one day off a week in 1978. We'd take a little vacation, whatever. Well, they were telling us about this beautiful, beautiful lake in another, you know, I don't even know where it was at. And so we all get piled into these little cars that they had over there, even smaller now. I know where to go. We take off. No one was given a map. We were told a destination. All was supposed to be the same. But no map. We went one block. We were on a dead-end street, and we're all piled in a dead-end street. We drove all day. Only one person found the lake for a very short period of time. We weren't one of them. We had the right destination, but nobody had a map on how to get there. And we were found, and we ended up splitting up, and all the vehicles were everywhere, and nobody knew. We even ended up on ours. We saw the lake off to the side, and they said, take this road. It turns out to be a cow, basically a, an animal path. And it got so narrow and so dangerous, everybody had to get out of the car. It was too dangerous to be on it. And he had to then back all the way back out to get out of the car. And he then drove back, never got it. We had a good destination, but no map. How many of us will have a good destination, but we don't have the map of the Word of God? Second one I like to think about is the Pikes Peak. I told you I climbed Pikes Peak. When they got there, they gave us a map, showed it to this is how you use a topical a map, looking at the topography and looking at it. Well, we did great. We followed. In fact, the guides told us afterward, you did everything perfect. You couldn't have done a better job of following the map and taking a better path. Until Pikes Peak has a lot of peaks before. We get, we're going up one and we see Pikes Peak and what do you think we do? We throw away the map and just go straight forward. Trouble is, you get to the top, and all of a sudden, you have this massive ravine that goes straight down, and then we go straight up between, if you've been there, between the road and the cog train that goes up. We went up right in between. Made it three times as hard because of what? We threw away the map. We see it, and hey, I can get there on the own. Follow it. How much are following the Word of God? doing a great job and hey I don't need it anymore I can get there 
the last one is when we just got to going through the Grand Tetons in Yellowstone. We all got together, probably Mike, Ruthie, and I. We looked each day, where do we want to go? We then got a map, and they then made it out. Ruthie and uh, Mike did most of the driving. He can see, I can't. <laughs> Especially when it got dark, I turned the keys over. I'm not driving in the store. But they followed the map. There's a lot of roads we could have taken. And if we went one, we didn't go more than one block off before he realized it turned around and got on the right road. Why? We had a destination, we had a map, and we followed it. What destination? Do you want wisdom? Then here's our map. Are we going to stay with it? Or are we going to put it aside and think I can do it all on my own? And I think if any of us are being honest, many times we try to do it on our own, and then we do what? Yeah. Kind of like Jesus, uh, kind of like Carrie Underwood. Jesus takes the wheel, and then after he takes the wheel, what do we do? Take it back. 